second reading is Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11, verse 1, Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge, and his statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt, unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt, and unto all his land, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord had destroy, hath destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place. And what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households, and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong. And go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it. And that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt, from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are alway, always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, and lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them, your children speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. 
For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you. And ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon as he hath said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if, you, if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moreh? For ye shall pass over Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you. And ye shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so I have as the first section, verses 1 through 7. This portion speaks of the covenantal and personal responsibility of the people. Moses characterizes such obedience as the love of the Lord. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Keep his charge, his statutes, judgments, commandments, alway. And so we heard that in our last reading in chapter 10. We heard that love and obedience are not contrary to one another, but they sweetly coexist together in the covenant of grace. Uh, that obedience is not meritorious obedience, but it is real obedience. It is not perfect obedience, but it is real obedience. It can be an advancing obedience as well. So it's important to remember, in, in these days when we hear it's love, not law, we, we, we say, oh, no, 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 brother. It is love and law. It is both. Okay, so that's the first section. Then we go into a section where Moses begins to differentiate between the people of God. He doesn't do this very often. When he does it, he does it for effect. And the effect is here that, okay, now I'm not speaking to your children right now. I'm speaking to you guys who were with us back there in Egypt, and you saw everything that the Lord did. In other words, those who were little ones back in those days, 40 years before, he's speaking primarily with those that they would remember all the great things that God did. Now there's an implication in this as he will go on a little bit later in the chapter, the implication is that their children are not going to remain ignorant of these things, but that the Lord requires these people to tell their children about these things, to encourage them, and to solidify their relationship to the Lord, that they might know what the Lord has done for them. And so what do we have here? Well, we have that, that kind of Christian nurture and catechetical instruction that really... Uh, 
permeates through especially the book of Deuteronomy. So uh, the miracles and so on, uh, all of the things that God did to Egypt. But notice then also all the things he did with Dathan and Abiram. Now wait a minute. The Lord is lumping in Dathan and Abiram with the Egyptians. Isn't that an interesting turn there? That the Lord would see Egypt as the enemies of God and Israel, but that he would also see Dathan and Abiram as the enemies of God and Israel. And so the great things that he did, and what are these great things? Egypt, Red Sea, Dathan and Abiram. How the earth opened her mouth. Remember, the Lord opened a way in the sea, and the Lord opened the mouth of the earth. These things are spoken of as parallel. Well, what does this show us in this passage? This is what we've been saying these last few weeks as we, as we have been examining First Peter. We've talked about the marks of the church. If, if we allow uh, men like Dathan and Abiram to fester in the church, well, that will infect the whole. Right? What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? What are the three steps and reasons of church discipline? You remember? Step number one is for the honor of Christ. Step number two is for the purity of the body. And step number three is for the, re- for the reclamation of the offender. Normally, we, because our hearts are sometimes bigger than they should be toward certain things and smaller than they should be toward others, we put the reclamation of the offender at the first instead of the last. And so we may be, shall we say it this way, a little bit too quick to receive again before the honor of Christ is vindicated. First in our minds ought to be the honor of Christ and the purity of the body before the reclamation of the offender. Remember that the reclamation of the offender is God's business. If they will be saved, the Lord will do that through proper discipline. Okay, so then uh, let us make use of this first section by calling often to mind the great acts of God. This will be in keeping with our afternoon sermon on profiting from the worship. Although we're not here yet, let's be reminded of these things now. Uh, We want to call to mind the great acts of God as Moses calls these people to be mindful of the great acts of God. The great acts of God in salvation, the great acts of God in judgment, the great acts of God in chastisement, the great acts of God in provision, the great acts of God in all kinds of things. Beloved, Think on the great things the Lord has done for you and remember with Mary and with Hannah that you might also confess the Lord hath done great things for me. Okay, so now we move on to chapter, or sorry, verse 8. And I have this next section is 8 through 17. And in verses 8 through 17, Moses woos them with the promise of a good reward For keeping the commandments of the Lord. He holds out to them the prospect of strength. Keeping the Lord's command is our strength as well. Not in a saving sense, but in a sanctifying sense. We must learn that self-indulgence leads to weakness and that living temperately builds the right kind of strength, especially in a want-driven society such as ours. We want also to prolong our days as this was held out as as a promise. Remember, Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor thy father and mother, 
that it may, this is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with thee and thou mayest live long upon the earth. The Lord often promises temporal encouragements to obedience. Let's take that. Let's recognize the Lord's seriousness and promise in that. He also often holds out temporal difficulties and judgments for disobedience. This is not idle threatening. The Lord means what he says. As a good father, he will facilitate or he will hinder us in order to bring about obedience and confession of sin. So then, he also shows the, the, uh, the wonderful blessings of the Lord our God. <clears throat> um, uh, so, the Lord shall drive out nations from before you. Um, you will, um, oh, sorry, let me go back here, there. Yeah, he talks about the land, how it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's, it's not like the land of Egypt. It's watered from heaven. Uh, it's a land of hills and valleys. But notice he says that all the blessings of that land, they will not continue if you turn away from the Lord your God. But they will continue if you keep your face toward him. Well, these are general promises that God brings, but they are, they are generally given to encourage obedience, and we must remember that. So then the Lord says that the opposite will happen if they, if they turn away from the Lord, worship other gods, they will be cast out of the land. <clears throat> now verse 18, 18 through 25, uh, lay these words up in your heart and soul, bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes and teach them to your children. So here we have that catechetical instruction of the, of the children of the Lord as they go into the land. They are to remember, they are to be taught to remember what? The greatness of God and bringing them out of Egypt. They are to remember the judgments. They are to be taught those judgments. They are to be taught that the Lord made a way through the Red Sea. They are to remember that the Lord fed them with manna, uh, caused water to come out of the rock, that their sandals did not grow old upon their feet, their clothes upon their bodies. The people of God are responsible to teach their children these things. Parents, you are responsible to teach your children the tenets of the gospel. Talk to them. Talk to your grandchildren if you don't have children in the house anymore. Talk to them about Jesus Christ and what he has done. All right, so then that's the same language that we read in Deuteronomy 6. When you rise up, lie down, walk by the way, frontless between your eyes, put them on the doorposts of your house and so on. Okay? All of those things. And then the promise is that the Lord will drive out these nations from before you, and ye shall possess nations greater and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon. Okay, now get, get yourself in biblical language here. The wilderness is south. Lebanon is north. From the wilderness, that is of Sinai, the Sinai Peninsula, all the way north to Lebanon. Okay, from the great river, the river Euphrates, not the river Jordan, the river Euphrates, all the way over here, all the way to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. That will be your coast if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Okay, so we move on to the last uh, section. I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And this is a very important object lesson for the people of God in Ebal and Gerizim. Mount Gerizim is the mountain of blessing, Ebal, the mountain of cursing. Um, 
there's a uh, there's a book that was written by Francis Schaeffer called Genesis in Space and Time. He will uh, talk about Ebal and Gerizim and the natural valley that formed between them. That the place is a kind of natural amphitheater. That the Levites would be able to stand up on top of Gerizim and Ebal, and that they could speak, and the people down in the valley would hear them. Okay. But there's something else that's being taught there that I think Schaefer might miss. And what is that? That there will be some people on Ebal and some people on Gerizim. And you can't be on both. That that valley that is made by the hill on one side and the hill on the other, you travel one way through it. Whether that way is the way of evil or the way of good. Whether, the way, whether it's the way of blessing or the way of cursing. In other words, this is an antithetical section here in Deuteronomy 11, which teaches us, beloved, that there's no compromising the good. You can't bring Ebal into Gerizim, and you can't bring Gerizim into Ebal. You will either stand on the mountain of blessing, or you will stand on the mountain of cursing. You'll follow the Lord, or you won't. There's no halfway measures with him. And so this is a, a very important object lesson at the end of this chapter. They will enjoy the blessings of Gerizim if they obey and the cursings of Ebal if they disobey. And we will remember, won't we, that when they enter into the land in the days of Joshua, which of the two mountains do we hear from? Anybody remember? Ebal. Because that church under age needed more warning than blessing, right? Okay. Thus ends the reading. Let's stand and continue praising God in the singing of psalms. <clears throat>